Well, we heard from Plan D, Plan B, Plan D and G, but for Max Verstappen, it was Plan T. Tremendous from back of the grid, uh, whatever that means. Terrifying for everyone else and typical, both of him, his car, the team and the two-time world champion elect that I am doubtless in my determination that he is now. Welcome to episode 225 of the Formula One Grid Talk podcast today. And Today, we're going to be here to discuss the Belgian Grand Prix. My name is Owen Medford. And joining me, we have Philip Matthew from the Grip Strip Podcast. Hello, Jared Jacob from uh, sorry from Hit the Apex Podcast. Hi, everyone, and Tom Downey from Everything F One. Hello. Now, um, Tom, I'm going to start with you. Goodness me, sorry. Sorry, as I alluded to in my intro, it's uh, I think a foregone conclusion at this point that Max Verstappen is a two-time world champion. You know, extending his championship lead to 93 points, but not over Charles Leclerc, who was previously only 80 points behind. Um, It's now it's only Sergio Perez that's behind him. Who can stop Max Verstappen from gaining this world title? Well, thankfully, he hasn't got the Ferrari strategist, so he should be golden. You know, I think that would be the only thing that, that could do it. Or unless Mercedes infiltrate the FIA and seek retribution for last year, that you know. But uh, aside from that, and seriously speaking, uh, he's driving like a man possessed at the moment. You know, today one of the best drives I've seen from him. He got a little bit of luck with, or a little bit of fortune with the safety car. But I think if there would have been no safety car, he'd have been way at the grid anyway. He, he just had such pace today. Obviously, Spa is a very engine-intense circuit. Obviously, it's uh, uh, and sorry. Obviously, having brand new um, components in the back of that Red Bull, it flew. Uh, but I mean, you know, he still had to make the moves and to, you know to be that far at the grid that quickly and to then have that pace and on the two-stop. You know, it's just. An absolute masterclass from, from him today. I know I'm actually lyrical, but let me have my moment. Um, he was, uh, yeah, just absolutely outstanding. And I don't think Ferrari or Leclerc now have got the minerals to take the fight to him. If they were going to sort of take the fight to him in the second half of the season, they've got an awful lot of work to do. And it's only going to get more difficult coming up for them, I think. Um, I think next weekend we could see a similar thing. I think Max will probably qualify on pole and win, probably lead every lap depending on the pit stop strategy. And then Monza, well, you know, Ferrari, they'll probably try and go on the bank circuit knowing their strategy. So, yeah, it's uh, the writing's on the wall for Ferrari. I would say even at this point of the championship, Max has one hand on the trophy. I know we said this last year, after I think after Kota we said this, but he is driving like a true champion. And I would argue that the way he's driving at the moment, he is the best driver on the grid. I'm not saying like the best sort of like ever, but but the form he's in at the moment compared to compared to the other names, in my opinion, obviously going to be slightly biased. I think it's hard to argue that he's not uh, that he's not the currently the best driver on the grid. Yeah, honestly, wouldn't disagree. You know, I was, I was, I was honestly when I was writing the intro, I was trying to work in some way with Plan T and being on a different planet because that's that's where he seems to be. Jared, we have uh, behind him in, in basically every metric, both today and in the championship, is Sergio Perez. Quite impressive, I would say, bearing in mind that he managed to sort of not go backwards, apart from obviously Verstappen, when everyone else seemed to. What would you put that down to? Oh, you know, just keeping it all together. And it was quite important, like you said, for uh, the championship for Perez today. And, yeah, like I've had this feeling coming out of the mid-season break that we're going to kind of replicate the 2011 season with um, Verstappen winning, of course, by such a margin. But that would require also Red Bull to take one, two in the championship. So Perez got the points he needed to today to move back into second. Um, He... You know, pace-wise, it was faster than the other cars. Uh, 
couldn't match his teammate, but who would have expected that anyway? And it was a bit scary for him at the start because he did um, get away kind of poorly. He lined up his car weirdly on the grid as well, thinking he was going to try and get the inside from Sainz, but ended up getting swallowed up by both Mercedes and the Alpine of Alonso, but was quickly able to get um, second back once the safety car came out after the first lap chaos. And, since then, you know, he did well. Red Bull reacted to cover off the likes of Russell and whatnot. So, you know, they just had a lonely race for him. It was important because going into the break, there was a lot of, you know, conjecture and whatnot about Perez's form and how he's been quite inconsistent in the middle part of the season. So I think to come out, get a second place result like this, you know, another one, two for the team is only going to give him confidence and momentum and, yeah, you know, if it's going to be one of those crushing seasons for Red Bull, then it's got to get, there's got to be those results on the other side of the garage. So that was pretty well done from Perez, I think, uh, to come home for that second and come home with quite a comfortable, I think, nine second lead over the third place driver. Yeah, as you say, if it's going to be a sort of uh, dominating, crushing performance by Red Bull, you need you need both you know you to be running on on both banks of the garage, as it were, firing having them firing on all cylinders. Now, um, in comparison to that, the people who just look crushed, um, we'll start with the first of them. Phil is Carlos Sainz, who you know maybe could have uh, you know we thought going into the race maybe that they, he would have had a, an opportunity starting obviously P one, but. You know what? What happened? You know what happened to the to the to the Ferrari over over those forty four laps? Uh, Ferrari happened, uh, Owen. Uh, their their expert um, strategy and um, other great decision making. Also, the the fact that Max Verstappen, I think, had a combination of his current car, the FW fourteen B Williams, the MP four four McLaren. And I don't know whatever else he had going on. Um, he was driving. It was in in. It was like he was driving in Formula One, and everybody else was in a different category. Um, signs. The the sad thing is, if the safety car hadn't had to come out with the incident that we'll talk about later, I'm sure he had a little bit of a gap. He had made a great start, and he was in a position where maybe something could have come from the race and that he could have had a chance. I mean, frankly, he wasn't going to, but he could have had a chance. Uh, the safety car neutralized everything. Verstappen had already made up six spots, and he had like 100 miles an hour faster, in whether he was with, with the RS or without. Uh, the str- Having to pit early, get off the soft tires because of the degradation, their degradation was worse than the Red Bull's was a problem. Then getting into traffic, not being able to get around said traffic was a problem. And then they he had head-to-head battles with Max and with Sergio Perez, couldn't deal with it. So it's, for him, I mean, at least they salvaged a third. Uh, in his case, in regards to where he is in the points, I mean, Right now, he's 15 points behind his teammate. He's 20 points behind Perez in second. He's still ahead of George, um, and George was giving him uh, problems too, which Tom will talk about here shortly. But, um, you know, it's with the way that this race land, like was kind of shaping up prior to, you would have wanted more than a third-place finish if you're Carlos Sainz, I would think, but... Um, considering Ferrari being what they are, I guess getting a third place finish is a moral victory. Um, I, I guess that's what it is for them at this point, since they're 1800 points behind Red Bull. They're flirting with possibly losing to Mercedes and the constructors, and um, they're trying to break Charles Leclerc's soul. So um, I guess for Carlos Sainz, a third place finish is a good thing. Yeah, as you say, it's it's almost it's almost uh, beyond belief at this point. It's it's almost it's, it's it looks like a statistical anomaly how how uh, how bad Ferrari are. In, by comparison, sort of, 
you know, tailor two cities here, really, Tom, is George Russell flying the flag for Mercedes. Couldn't do it in qualifying yesterday, had a really rough time of it, but sort of, you know, made good. And uh, and were it not for a little going out a little bit too fast on, on that last stint, was was looking to, to make it, uh, you know, a properly embarrassing day for Ferrari there. Yeah, you know, Russell was really pushing signs for for that third place, and I did wonder if he was if he was going to do it. You know, he um, he 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 did signs into into turn five after um, I think after was it just after signs of pitted. Um, he showed his teammate how you actually overtake into that corner as well. Um, had to get it in, and uh, and uh, was just shaking his head. Sorry, mate. Um, yeah, and uh, and yeah, you know. It, if you'd have backed, it feels weird to say, but if you'd have backed one of the Mercedes this year to do it, you would have backed, um, you would have backed, uh, what's this race, George Russell, um, sort of based on how the season's gone. But just, yeah, the Merck just didn't have the pace. Obviously, they had a difficult day yesterday. Um, Merck were hoping that the new floor regulations would have brought, uh, you know, perhaps brought Red Bull down a peg. If anything, they seem quicker. Um, it could be a bit placebo effect or, you know, sort of like a bit exaggerated effect with obviously because they've got new engine bits in this weekend. Um, and, you know, you know, for Max, it's practically a home race. So he, you know, so he had that extra two tenths anyway from the crowd. But yeah, Russell, um, a good, a good race for him. I think P4 was as good as it was going to get. Uh, you know, he did well to hold off Leclerc, although, you know, Ferrari did hashtag Ferrari things. And sort of helps Russell with that one anyway. Um, yeah, I, I think even you know, I think even once he got into P three on track, I think he knew it was only a matter of time before um, before Science took that place back. The Ferrari is just he's just quicker than the Mercedes um, when it when Ferrari don't blunder the strategy and when the reliability holds up. So yeah, it was a, a good but probably frustrating day for George Russell. Um, yeah, if I was him, I'd be disappointed to not be on the podium, but I wouldn't be too disheartened. Yeah, that's a pretty good performance from, from George Russell. Best of a bad situation for the team, obviously. Beyond that, we then have, uh, obviously, the, the driver who, uh, you know, through no fault of his own, ended up causing <laughs> taking out his uh, George Russell's teammate. It's Fernando Alonso. Um, started third, uh, Jared, but... Um, you know, obviously slipped back a little bit, what like you maybe would expect. But it's still Fernando Alonso, isn't it? That's still kind of the performance we expect out of him. He's really punching back at his team for implying that because of his age, he can't really race anymore or put in those performances. So I think, you know, Alonso is, you know, if anything, as he gets older, he gets more cheekier and loved his team radio. I think a lot of people did what he said about Hamilton as well after that incident. So, yeah, I think for them, considering they had quite a few faster cars coming through the field to finish ahead, uh, six was probably the best they could do. And then when you look at the team as a collective, Alpine got points again with both cars and, you know, they're kind of building a lead over McLaren now as well in the Constructors' Championship. So he did quite a good job with that. When you look at the deficit to... Um, the car ahead, I think it was like 40 seconds or whatever behind Russell in the end he finished. So still quite a gap between where uh, they are in the midfield and, and the top three teams. But, you know, to get <laughs> an extra position at the end is quite comical. Um, and even he was saying as well after the race that Ferrari just have a strange way of doing things. And, you know, it didn't surprise him that they pulled off some things strange in the pit lane to earn themselves a, a penalty to lose that position. So, but I think it was a good race for Alonso. There's a lot to look forward to uh, with the Alpine lineup. It is sad in a way that we won't get to see him uh, carry on with the team because I feel like they've been gradually building towards something good. But again, you know, same situation with Ricardo a couple of years ago, they're going towards the right direction, building towards being competitive. And then, you know, the driver decides to bail. So, you know, have fun driving in the second slowest car at the moment next year. Cause yeah, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good car they've got at the moment. Yeah. Another promising driver going to, a, to go to a team with another five year plan. I just want to say, I was surprisingly, it was surprisingly magnanimous from, uh, from Alonso when he got into the, uh, uh, the interviews after the fact, you know, maybe it was the fact that uh, obviously Lewis Hamilton obviously deferred to him and, uh, and put the blame solely on himself. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised that, that was uh, 
<laughs> how um, humble that uh, Fernando Alonso was about that. Now, speaking about Ferrari, as you uh, as you touched on, bit of an own goal there, Philip from from Leclerc. Um, uh, you know, obviously, you know, don't, not knowing a lot about about what caused that speeding in the pit lane, not exactly when it happened, but yeah, a t- you know, bad to worst day when his championship rival is romping away with a victory from the back of the grid, and he's you know started only one place behind and ended up five places behind. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on the group chat that um, when that happened there, that last part, I mean, it wasn't like Leclerc was having a great day to begin with. I mean, he had the had the tear-off go into the brake duct causing uh, brake fire, so then he had to pit early. Then they had to change his strategy. He was getting stuck in traffic, having to be a part of that DRS train in the second half of the top 10. Then he goes and gets around a guy who's made his career and making strange decisions his whole entire life. Uh, so that's kind of convenient how that worked out and he still lost out to him. And then, um, I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable with Ferrari, uh, uh, and, and Charles Leclerc, I, you, you just sit there. It's like, I, at some point he has to wonder. And so does Carlos Sainz. I'm like, who the heck, what is, what are these people doing? I mean, what is, what is their game plan? It's like, it's not a video. It's not, we're not playing F122. We're not playing F1 manager that just came out. This is real racing. We're talking about real dollars here. We're trying to compete for the Formula One World Championship. These guys couldn't even, half the people that seem to be doing strategy for Ferrari couldn't even work in, in a lower tier series. I mean, it's just insane. And I mean, fine, you want to get him the fastest lap. But you have to be figuring that the time, you have to have more time there. Tell him to, I mean, worst case, let him go and build up all the battery and all the thing. Let him try to do it on those tires. Don't go and sabotage the points that he was going to get. You lose two places in this, or I mean, he loses one place, sorry. But, you know, he's 98 points behind. He, I mean, Tom already, I mean, they're toast. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And, And it's, and you can't be, I mean, honestly, you would have thought they had the break. They could have reset, kind of figured out some things during this summer break. I know they had to get away from the factories and all that. But once they got back, you, you know that they had to have really had discussions about this. And considering how many points they've given away this year and how many opportunities they've given away this year. And in turn, they've just, I mean... This is just par for the course for them. And um, I, I don't know how Charles Leclerc keeps on going uh, in this sense. I mean, his confidence, he's very, he's a, he's a very, uh, you know, streaky driver. When he's feeling great and he has a bet and he's in a good place, he can win. But when things like this keep on going on, if he isn't doing self-inflicted wounds, um, it's just not good. And it's not it's not great for the morale, and it's not great for everybody. I mean, I think they should be very glad that the Italian Grand Prix is next week. Um, at least they might have a week to recover and make it look better um, while Max Verstappen runs off and basically laps the field. Um, make it look like they actually are the second best team in Formula One or have the second best car. But right now they just they look like a bunch of knobs, and it's it's pretty bad. Yeah, you yeah you and you say you say about the Italian Grand Prix, it might almost be worth just taking the grid penalty so you can put a fresh engine in in Italy and turn that one up. You know, you gotta take something from this season because it doesn't. Otherwise, it just doesn't look like they're anywhere close to it down at uh, down at Ferrari. Now we move on to Esteban Ocon, seventh place, only two and a half seconds on the road behind his teammate, and it always looked like he wanted to emulate Hakkinen and uh, and Schumacher with that pass on with that pass on Vettel Tom it's kind of a good day for uh, for Alpine um, all things considered yeah i mean that pass if that would have been Verstappen Perez and Sainz or Verstappen Perez and Leclerc or if it would have been one of the top you know two two of the top teams or whatever especially imagine if it would have been George Russell um or Hamilton you know the Sky Sports commentators would have Probably had a crisis. Um, you know, it was a, it, it was an absolutely scintillating move, very reminiscent of. I'm sure a lot of people saw this or sort of picked up on this reference 
um, Hakkinen on Schumacher in, I think it was 2000, with Zonta in the way. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, he basically channeled his end of Verstappen, and I'm not talking Brazil 2018, um, where, he, um, you know, where he started towards the back of the grid, absolutely yeeted his way into the points. Really good race for him. You know, he, he, he said in his, when Martin Brundle caught him on the um, on Brundle's grid walk uh, before the race started that he was hoping to you know, get into the points. Boy, did he. Brilliant result for um, for Ocon. Brilliant result for Alpine. You know, we've really spoken about Alonso. Um, and, and, yeah, just uh, just really, really what, what Alpine needed. Um, they should be well ahead of McLaren now in, in, in the constructors. And, uh, and yeah, just he, he, Ocon drove, he drove a really sort of mature, sensible race. I think Sophia said yesterday that, um, that Ocon is, uh, the, I'm sure she said that she felt Ocon as being the most consistent driver this year. And on the basis of today, he's not, you know, you, you'd be hard to disagree with that. You know, he's, uh, again, a really, really good drive, sort of just, just got on with it. Didn't make too much of a sort of song and dance about it, and like his teammate does, and then um, and yeah, just just brought home a good chunk of points. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right about the uh, about the quality of the overtake. Uh, bearing in mind that uh, and, and how people would have reacted to it if it was the one of the front three doing it. But this was a this was three a, com- a completely competitive overtake rather than just lapping a car. Yeah, obviously nine places up for Ocon, and he's going at the end of the season. But you wouldn't know it, uh, Joad, with the. Uh, with Sebastian Vettel finishing, I think it's might. I think I might be wrong actually, but I was going to go out on a limb and say it might be his highest points, uh, highest finishing position of the year with an eighth place for in the Aston Martin. They've turned it around over the summer, haven't they? Yeah, well, they were fast in the practice sessions going back to Friday, which was quite bizarre seeing Lance Stroll that far up um, on the timesheets. But yeah, Vettel's best result was actually sixth, I think, in Baku. But yeah, this is the the second best I think he's had. And he was looking quite competitive too. So, you know, being able to fight with the Alpines, as we saw, and then like you guys were saying, uh, being involved in that spectacular pass that Ocon made on him. Gasly, um, just reading some lines from Seb after the race, he's saying uh, it was a bit unfortunate the timing of his second pit stop, having to come in behind Gasly, and he lost quite a bit of time from that. So what could have been... Uh, you know, potentially top seven, top six finish lost there. But I think for Aston Martin, that's it's a great result to get um, him in the points. And, you know, Seb too, like I'm sure he's been driving like this the whole time, but, you know, without any more, um, like the shackles are off, you know, we know what's happening in his future and whatnot. So he can almost drive freely and, you know, just do whatever he wants. So, and if that means we get some good results like this from him, then so be it because it would be better than seeing his career come to an end on a bit of a whimper finishing outside the points. So yeah, I want to see more of this, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great to see, honestly, <laughs> over the next few weeks, you know, we're going to have to make the most of our sub time as it were. And, uh, and you know, as long as he can replicate this, I'm, I'm all for it. Right. Should we have move on to Gasly, who started eighth? Well, no, sorry, didn't start eighth. Had, had obviously, the aforementioned electrical issue. Sorry about that. Oh, that's me reading uh, too much off the starting grid published by F1. But still, starting from the pit lane, Phil, Pierre Gasly got moving up to ninth place, which obviously helped by the safety car. But that's a great result, particularly for, you know, particular, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great result. Sorry. Yeah, it is. I mean, they've had a rough, they've had a really rough season this year, and uh, you know, Gasly has not been as uh, productive as he has been in previous years by any means. But in regards to going and starting from pit lane to go and uh, get a ninth place finish is is a big deal for them, and uh, great job. You know, they, that gives them a couple of points. They now, they they lost point, a few points to, to they lost one point to uh, Aston Martin in that sense, or two points to Aston Martin. So now the gap is five, but they're still ahead of them. They're only five points out of Haas who had a rough day. So in the end, 
it, it, it was a net positive for them, uh, for Alpha Tori today. They've, there's a lot of rumors going around in regards to Pierre Gasly about his future uh, here the last few days. And then the team and the car has not been very good this year. Uh, it's the same power unit as the car that's going to win the world championship and finish one, two has, but the car is definitely not very good. Uh, so, I mean, you're making the most out of your circumstance, most out of the situation. Safety car did help. It uh, probably wouldn't have been as straightforward for them in that sense. But um, credit to uh, Pierre Gasly to go and get those points uh, in that spot to go and kind of give themselves a little more safety as we go to um, the um, Dutch Grand Prix in Zandvoort and also the place where he won his one and only Grand Prix so far in Monza. Yeah, yeah, it's obviously going to be maybe a little bit of a tougher week, uh, couple of weeks ahead. So getting the points here is uh, is obviously something you want to be doing. Speaking of getting points, we have the, the car that no one wanted to overtake uh, or even try to. We have Albon in 10th place, Tom. Is Albon sort of a man reborn at this point uh, after the break? Or is this more car dependent than we sort of really think about? No, I think... Um... Uh, I, I, I think there's just been a really good showing from Albon. He, he's obviously well-rested after the summer break. He looks more comfortable in the Williams, probably because he doesn't have that pressure that he had when he was in the second Red Bull seat. He wasn't the constant scrutiny. Also, now that he knows he's got a multi-year deal uh, with Williams, he knows that his future is a bit more assured, obviously provided he doesn't um, you know, have a catastrophic race because, as we saw with Danny Rick, contracts can be broken. Um and uh, you know, I, I'd I'd say he's uh, he's 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 pretty settled. He's doing really well as well. Given the Williams is probably the worst car on the grid, tied with that or the Aston. Um, but you would have to say the Williams. Uh, you know, he 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 had a really good race. You know, he he has really good sort of not so much wheels wheel battles, but he's defending his position really well. He really hung on. Um, his teammate helped as well somehow from P18. Thankfully. He didn't get above P5, so my hair stays intact. If anybody listening yesterday will know what I mean. Um, you know, he, uh, it, it's, it, this is what the third time Albon scored points this year, if not fourth, because he got points in Australia. He obviously got that P10. I think he got P9 in Miami, or am I making that up? I've got a feeling it's Miami. Anyway, the point being, no pun intended, that this is the third or fourth time he scored points this season in the worst car on the grid. Um I hope he can sort of carry this form, carry that qualifying pace from yesterday. Because our Williams looked pretty tasty in qualifying. Um, yeah, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the altitude or something. I don't know. Uh, I just, you know, it was just, it was just looking really, really good. So hopefully it can carry into next week. And I think if it can carry into next week and get a good qualifying result, because obviously Williams had a bit of an oopsie with both cars in quality last year when they both ended up in the wall, mall, um, then, um, then he's got much more of a chance of holding on to a good position because next week there's going to be no overtaking. Yeah, 100%. And if not next week, it, definitely at Monza. Uh, that, that, that Williams is lightning quick in a straight line. And, uh, and as I say... No one wanted to be let out behind it because you knew that you were going to have to you were going to have to fight your way past. Now we move into the fun section of the grid, where they're actually most of the race lived today it's been a, it's spread out uh when you actually look at the finish order and the uh and the times for from uh from each driver but the, you know that that 10th to 15th battle was actually you know at one point was separated by gaps of less than less than a second and and moving in with again the uh the you know the worst car on the grid some might say is uh Lance Stroll who obviously not in the points but still uh, a reasonably good performance from the Canadian driver a little bit difficult Joad but um you know, do, do you think he could have done any better? Or do you think that, you know, as I sort of kind of leaned on a bit heavily there, Alex Albon's uh, Williams was a bit too quick? Yeah, I think the Williams was a bit too quick with that straight line speed and um, quite a few drivers that we're going to talk about coming up now, including uh, Lance Stroll did say that they were stuck in the DRS train behind the Williams today. So I think, you know, in that instance, Nothing more could have been done. He did start the race ninth, so lost a few positions there and um, missed the opportunity for Aston Martin to score double points. I think it would have been first time this season they've scored double points. I'm not sure if that's correct or not, but, um, you know, they they did all they could and 
you know, it's just a difficult one at the end for for him and the guys behind him, but it just shows you how good the Williams was set up for this track compared to Aston, who kind of showed their hand on Friday in, in the practice sessions. But then, um, yeah, the Williams switched it on during qualifying and then uh, in the race too, apparently here. So, you know, it's stroll, stroll doing stroll things, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> more like a stroll in the park, um, stroll in the woods. Sorry, uh, for for Lance Stroll there. Um, in twelfth place, just behind that, obviously we then have uh, well, then we then have uh, Lando Norris. Phil, um, do you think the McLaren is a the, the, sort of a bit off the pace there, uh, in, in where it's finished, or do you think there was sort of more potential in the car that they've just not been able to unlock? Um, bearing in mind they've been doing sort of going backwards this season. Yeah, I don't know what happened to them today. It's just they were up there. They had the track position early in the race. I know what happened to the other guy because I seem to be drawing the short end of the stick with everybody so far in this driver lineup today. But um, for Lando, I figured points were gonna was going to happen. I, I, I just felt like he would be in the points today. He's been there they, this year. I mean, yes, the car has not been good. I mean, he's came out and basically said he doesn't feel bad for his teammates, so he's showing no chill in that sense. He doesn't know who his teammate's going to be next year. That's going to be decided tomorrow uh, during the contract, whatever board deal with the two fat slobs sitting there in front of a judge. And then, um, then you have the notion that the car, I don't know what happened to him in race pace and, and, strategy i think they probably messed that up and then once you get yourself into the drs train or you put yourself in a place where you might not be able to um you know make overtakes because your car just isn't as good it's an unfortunate uh result and and in considering where mclaren are i mean right now lando seventh in points he's best of the rest essentially um, he's only 12 points ahead now of Esteban Ocon in the grand scheme of the constructors, which is what is more important for them in that sense. Uh, they've now lost a lot of points. They're now, they were ahead of Alpine for a bit. Now they're 20 points behind. So it has been a brutal start to this second half of the season for McLaren. I think they were hoping for more this weekend. I think their car is generally a good mid-range car. And I think they would have hoped for at least points from one of their drivers. Not getting any points today, a Williams scoring points, an Aston Martin scoring points, and um, possibly the other Aston Martin scoring points um, in this day. Uh, it's It just is like a net loss almost, um, I, I think. And, and they're going to be ruining um, the result uh, for sure uh, this this week. Yeah, they're gonna have to hope that that Dutch orange, that papaya orange, uh, helps them to in the in the week ahead. You know, hopefully the the, the strength suit their car uh, around Zandvoort. Now he's been known for sort of being a bit lively and uh, and drawing attention to himself for the wrong reasons in sort of recent, uh, you know, in his in the earlier parts of career. But in in thirteenth we have Tom uh, Yuki Sonoda. Not too much really heard from him during the race. Obviously, that with, again with the pit lane start uh, going up to thirteenth, is it a case of no news is good news? I'd say so. Yeah, you know, I'd said it quite a lot, especially last season, that Yuki needs some time where he just gets his head down get some decent results, which given his teammate also started from the pit lane, finishing the points is not great. I mean, staying out of the headlines, perhaps staying out of trouble is, uh, I say staying out of trouble, you know, like he's a naughty little school child. I mean, he still is, basically. Um, you know, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he should have done better. I know that's, it, I know that's easy for us to sit here and say, but, Comparing him against his teammate, who is always your first comparison or your first rival, because they have the same machinery. The teammate got in the points; he didn't. End of story. Um, so, I mean, you know, you know, it's, uh, there's not really much to say. Um, I didn't really notice much of him. Uh, I think he had a slightly unorthodox pit strategy, which slightly did him in, because um, he seemed to pick quite late on compared to some of the others, and he fell back down the grid a bit. He must be looking over his shoulder a bit now, and helmet marker is probably starting to you know, starting to ask questions and stuff so 
you, you just need some more weekends, a bit like this weekend where he goes under the radar, but just get some points. You know, just get some decent finishes. He's doing all right in quality. You know, he's out qualified Gasly quite a few times, but points rewarded on a Sunday. So, yes, he needs to improve, basically. Yeah, hopefully he's got the... Uh... Ability just to just to pound round, but he needs to uh, he needs to be getting points at the end of it. Another driver who we again didn't really see much of him. I almost skipped over him immediately there. With Joe, Joe was uh, was Guan Yu Zhou, uh, or is it it's quite is Zhou Guan Yu actually? Sorry, in uh, in fourteenth place. Where did he start? Because I honestly couldn't tell you. Is that a good performance for him today, or could you know could he got more of that, more out of it? Um, uh, like well, so he started down in eighteenth, and he made up. I think five or six positions at the start and then kind of just got shuffled back into the pack. Uh, his only highlight other than that was the fact that he was on soft tyres at the same time as um, Sonoda at the end and just got beaten by uh, the Alpha Tauri driver at the end. So um, I think, again, having an anonymous race like that was probably the best thing for them just to get the car home, particularly with the other Alfa Romeo not making it past the first lap. So, you know, I'm sure that the team would have said no complaints about that. But, um, you know, he's a driver this year who's been severely unlucky with unreliability and problems not of his own making as well. And considering how that's a car that has been in the top 10 quite a bit with, with Valtteri Bottas and qualifying in the top 10 as well and has that speed with the Ferrari power unit. Um, yeah, you know, having those races when you can't score the points and be in the top 10 to just bring the car home and not have any bother around it. So I think it would have been good for him to have a bit of wheel-to-wheel racing going on with uh, Sonoda as well, who, you know, is relatively the same when it comes to experience and whatnot. I'm glad that nothing came of it, that they didn't come into each other or there was some chaos, but, um, you know, they couldn't have done any better than 14th, I'm afraid. So, you know, it was just good that they saw the chequered flag. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, when it comes to when it comes to Joe. After that, we've got the last of the non-lapped runners, who, uh, ironically enough, is looking at the checkered flag on his career. What, if anything, can we take away, Phil, from Ricardo's performance? And is it is it is that like? I mean, I I feel like I know the answer, but what it what what can we take away from like you know is that the kind of performance that Ricardo needs to be doing to stay in Formula One? No, uh, he the only thing that he did today was finish. Uh, the car was in one piece, so that's better than, you know, two drivers, unfortunately, that were knocked out by pinheads. Um, you know, the, you know they, there's – and he finished ahead of the Haas that he might be going to. Um, but I, it, it almost looked like both him and – we'll talk about Latifi here in a minute – and and Mick Schumacher, all three of them, they look like guys that were just out there waving the white flag. Like, yeah, here, here, go ahead. Here, do you want to overtake? Here, just overtake me. Uh, I don't even know I'm here. Let me just go and drive. Uh, you know, oh, am I driving for points or am I just driving here just to go and get a paycheck? That's that's literally what, I mean, it, that is one of the most mediocre performances. And I, and I love Daniel Ricciardo. And there's so many people that love Daniel Ricciardo. And he's one of the best personalities on this grid. But we have lost that Daniel Ricardo because it's being buried under the fact that over the last two years, his regression to being somebody that can also ran is, is just sad and, and it's depressing to watch. And today was just, I mean, to be fair, I, we just talked about Lando Norris. I don't know what McLaren's plan was for today. It obviously did not work. And they've got way too many things going on. They seem way too distracted. Um, the tea kettle's going off over there. And then, um, but the fact is, yeah, that that was just ridiculous. Um, they, they, if if McLaren was really serious about trying to beat Alpine for fourth in the constructors, they would make a change uh, right now. Uh, they say they want to run out the rest of the year with Daniel Ricardo. I get that. Um, Daniel Ricardo says he wants to finish out the year and all that. Um, I think today was a, 
just a microcosm of what that relationship has been. Yes, we're two weeks away from the race that he won but uh, last year, but really, um, this has been what this relationship has been. Uh, and I think it's time to just cut bait and say, all right, sorry, it did not work out for either of us. Let's go our separate ways. Let's try to reset and and move forward because today was just atrocious. Uh, it was sad to watch Daniel Ricardo out there today. It, it, that's not what I, what you would expect from a guy who at one point has won eight Grand Prix, has finished third in the world championship, was Red Bull's number one driver um, for a few years, and one of the only ones they've actually developed, um, which tells you all you need to know. Um, so, you know, it's kind of sad, but, you know, there I, I also know that there's plenty of opportunities, even with where he's at or where he might be mentally. There are opportunities for him abroad and probably World Endurance Championship, Formula E. So I think he will have opportunities. They just probably won't be in Formula One. Yeah, I just looked at the starting position of, uh, of Daniel Ricciardo. He started seventh um, and is finishing 15th, which bearing in mind his teammate started 17th and finished 12th. I think says everything we need to know. Tom, we, we move on to, you know, the, I'll tell you what, it, it, it's an uncharacteristically bad performance, I would say, um, from both Hasses this weekend. 16th place from Magnussen. Obviously, the car's not had any upgrades, but you wouldn't have known it going into the summer break. What, what's gone on? Uh, they rather did themselves in in qualifying, didn't they? Um, and not helped by Schumacher having the engine penalty. So starting at the back of the grid. I don't quite know what happened to them today because, you know, Schumacher kind of understand. Well, actually, no, I do know what happens. They were starting towards the back of the grid. So, I mean, I know came out qualified, what, P18, I think, P19, something like that. Ended up starting about P12. Um, but, yeah, just the Haas just had no pace today. It just was not their day. And... I said this before and I'll say it again. For a team that has showed so much promise and so much renewal this year, you know, they've had some great highs, like their their first race back, you know, brilliant weekend. Their first um uh, sorry, you know, in Canada, they locked out the third row. I'm beginning to repeat what some bits I said yesterday. But the um but the quality just or the pace of the car, they've overhyped and underdelivered, I'd say. They've been far too inconsistent. Yes, they've been let down by that Ferrari power unit reliability. There's no denying that. But that Ferrari power unit doesn't cause the issues that they had yesterday and today, where they just lack pace. Um, the car's very inconsistent, and it's very track-specific. It'll be interesting next week to see if uh, to see if at Monza, which is obviously a very, very, very power-heavy or power or, you know, what do they call it? Just just a power circuit, if you like, um, where you basically put the thinnest rear wing in mind. Imagine if you just took Kate Moss and put it on the back of your car. That's what you do for, for the rear wing. Um, that's basically what you do at Monza. And, and then the DRS is a tiny little flap because there's barely any rear wing to open anyway. Um, there we are. That's one, that's one for the Clips channel. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, you know, it'd be interesting to see if, obviously, with a sort of like really, really low drag setup, if they, um, uh, if, you know, if they have outright speed. I wonder if there's something to do with the setup that they had from, you know, for, for this weekend. Because you saw it with Ferrari, they went for a slightly higher downforce or higher drag setup for the hopes of going through the corners, you know, for the hopes of going through Puan and Blanchimont and stuff a bit quicker. But, the, but the the um the, you know, the, the power unit, power unit couldn't overdo the drawbacks that the car had with the extra downforce. I wonder if Haas went down a similar philosophy this week. Possibly, I don't know. I'm not an aerodynamicist. I've got a BSc. Apparently, it's definitely not in aerodynamics. It's in computer nerd stuff. So I couldn't tell you. Um, I could reset their password if they got locked out, but I couldn't tell you anything about their aerodynamics. Um, so. I don't know. I wonder if it is something to do with the aero philosophy or the sort of the sort of you know the, the setup of the car this weekend. It seems to point to that because we have seen good pace from them. 
Um, and and I, I realised I said next week I'm on, so I mean the week after. I'm so used to months being a week after um, Spa that it's just yeah, I just yeah, it, it threw me a bit. But point is, next week and the week after will be interesting to see. But yeah, not a great weekend for them. Yeah, you know, coming along, uh, coming along. Second to that is uh, is obviously uh, Schumacher uh, in seventeenth place, Jared. And yeah, I mean, it's a weekend to forget again, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty much so. Uh, like having the upgrades on the car as well this weekend, which he didn't have in Hungary. Um, and then just having everyone else pretty much faster than him. It was kind of surprising that the other Williams finished behind him, considering they had the better straight line speed all weekend. So, you know, it's it's an interesting one. And we're hearing a lot about Mick at the moment about his future as well, whether it's going to be with Haas or elsewhere on the grid, kind of, caught me um, by surprise, I uh, must say, that uh, it's not quite working out and everything. You know, it's been it's not been great, but it hasn't been, you know, 2021 uh, level when they had a certain other driver driving for them at the time, kind of bad. So, you know, it's there must be more going on to that. But, um, you know, pretty much what Tom said, you know, you could sum it up and, copy paste Schumacher's name to it it's uh, the car you know there's so much there was so much promise to it but they're not finding the consistency that they need to get the points regularly and that's kind of what's hurting him in the constructors championship at the moment and then when if you have Sebastian Vettel for example um, scoring points regularly in these last few races that he had for um uh, what do you call it for his career? Then you know there's a chance that they might lose that to Aston Martin, the position there. So yeah, yeah. Thank you for that, uh, Sherwood. But then we move on to. I Latifi. mean, there's not much. Yeah, there's not much to be said for him, is there, Philip? No. Um, yeah, he's 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 just superb. Uh, he Sixth did get on the grid start. <laughs> he did get overtaken by his buddy uh, Stroll. So that's I guess. Um, that means you won't, he'll just have to go and ship some more Lavazza um, whenever he gets back home to Canada when he doesn't have a job in Formula One, which will be in eight races time. Uh, I mean, when your teammate goes out there, qualifies in the top 10 and uh, ends up finishing 10th, getting points and is tied with Stroll actually in points which is its own hilarious thing in a whole circuitous way with um, Albon and those two. Um, yeah, um, g- credit to to um, Latifi for wrecking uh, Valtteri Bottas, um, running off the racetrack and getting into Valtteri Bottas and ending his day. A nightmare uh, weekend for him on his birthday weekend. Um, maybe Botas can throw some porridge in his face um, for, for that next week at Zandvoort. That would be the most excitement we'll probably see at that race anyway. Um. Uh, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of Valtteri Botas, obviously, uh, you know, it wasn't anything of his fault. It was, uh, I think it was Latifi that spun um, and therefore not really his issue. He tried to, tried to take avoiding action um and ironically enough with all the changes made to the trap this year got into a driver trap that existed way before any of the others that were added back in yeah yeah i mean that's sorry phil i've given you you ended up with the most uh, with the most boring people i'm gonna skip Bottas because i don't think there's much that we can talk about it more honestly to get into the juicier thing of lewis hamilton i'm gonna go one by one through uh through each of you i'd like to get your opinion although i imagine it's probably the same um Tom, uh, obviously you're not the uh, biggest Lewis Hamilton fan, but um, yeah, um, you know what, what? What did you make of of that move around the outside? Uh, is there, you know, um, what, what can be said about it? You know, um, it was ultimately his fault. He accepted blame for it. I agree with there being no further action because it's a lap one incident. Um, he did rather cut across, well, not cut across one but he did rather close the gap. Hamilton probably was in his blind spot. Um, sorry, uh, Alonso, I should say, was probably in his blind spot, or almost certainly was. And let's not forget those mirrors on those F1 cars. You see absolutely bugger all. You, know, you really cannot see a thing. So I uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if Hamilton genuinely didn't see him 
you know, he's, he's obviously, uh, you know, he's obviously insightful to the corner because he he was just about ahead. Um, you know, Alonso was coming up his inside. Um, yeah, so you know, Hamilton accepted blame, and and he apologised to the team. You he he, uh, he took it with with quite a lot of grace and decorum, and and he's moved on, which I think I think he handled it like an absolute tramp, um, which obviously he is, and and uh, and yeah. But um, as for Alonso, well, he just needs to get over two thousand seven, doesn't he? You know, I, I get that tensions run high, or the rest of it, but when. When Alonso came um, on the team radio and said, anyway, get this down, you know, had to be confessed. Shut up, you absolute nonce. You know, it's just like, just, you know, it's, I like Alonso in the sense that he divides opinion, but I, could, I disagreed with him there because Hamilton knows how to race through a field. Brazil 2021, anybody? You know, that's the most obvious example. Um, so don't you know? You know, I I, I wonder if past me, oh, past me wonders if Alonso saw Owen Hamilton. I can do one on him here, and for a driver with as much experience and knowledge and apparent wisdom as Alonso, he would he would have probably maybe thought, especially on lap one, just let him get ahead, slipstream him, you know, you know, uh, down, down to on through Blanchiment, all that. Then maybe do him on do him on the main straight, or then you know tuck him behind him. Maybe wait for lap three, get DRS. It's not a one lap shootout; it's a forty four lap race. So, you know, so Alonso perhaps needs to bear a bit of the brunt, or sort of take a little bit of responsibility, because he put his car in a position where Hamilton was very likely to hit him, which obviously he did, and it was Hamilton's fault. Ultimately, I would not say it was 100% Hamilton's fault. And I know a lot of people are going to be going, well, by God, is this Tom Downey agreeing with Hamilton or defending Hamilton? Absolutely, it is. I'm not, I'm not completely, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not completely defend, uh, not completely defending him. But, you know, and I am saying it was predominantly his fault. But Alonso isn't an angel by any stretch. And, um, and he certainly didn't help the situation. The more scary bit was seeing the way Hamilton's car launched like that. I, I don't know if there are sausage curves there. I know certainly at turn five in Spa, they used to have curves or sort of like bump, or they're almost like speed bumps. And for a split second, it reminded me of Monza last year when obviously Max's car got launched over curves like that. And I just thought, shit, I hope, uh, sorry, I shouldn't swear, cut that out. When I saw Hamilton's car go over the curves, I thought, Oh, Bayek, that's going to hurt. Um, you know, I hope he's okay. He should have gone to the medical centre, though. The light went off on his dash. He should have gone because he might feel okay, but adrenaline's going to be pumping around his body and he doesn't know what could have happened to him, especially with how sort of brittle these F1 cars are. He should have gone to the medical centre. And I don't care if he says, I felt okay. He doesn't know what's wrong with him, if anything is wrong with him. And wouldn't you rather go there just to be sure? Then, uh, then sort of just, then, then just storm off. So, boo to him for that. But aside from that, I thought he handled the whole thing really well. Yeah, um, there weren't no. Uh, I think it was just a wood tire on tire contact um, that caused uh, the car to kick up like that. That's um, as you say. You know, you should have left room to be honest. Any but admits fault for that. Um, and but, but to be fair, he should, in my opinion, at least, you know, he, he should know that the car can't disappear and. You'd just be wary, um, live to fight another day. Um, you are right, though. Uh, Abby Eaton suffered. Obviously, there was the different end of the car went up um, on a sausage, sausage car. But these, as you say, these cars are so rigid, rigid enough to, uh, as, as we saw, break um, some internal fuel lines or, or coolant lines or something like that. Uh, fluid was pouring out the back of uh, Hamilton's car. I don't know if anyone else um, saw, but... Um, there is a certain amount of, uh, as you say, you know, you should have gone to the medical center. I think you're, you know, there's, there's, you know, could be vertebrae issues there, and uh, and you got to remember that these guys are role models for the rest of the industry, as it were. Um, we, we can't have people skipping out medical center, um, not medical center, sorry, um, medical center visits um, like that. Um, Jared, um, just as I touched on there, um, 
fluid pouring out of the back of the car and we saw um, the Mercedes smoking. Um, you know, for a race that was typified sort of by the uh, the power units uh, elements being used, new power units, and and bearing in mind the rock solid nature of the Mercedes reliability, um, uh, would you like? Is this? Do you think this is likely going to cause issues later in the season? Um, perhaps when Mercedes don't have the speed to get over um, the speed that they need to do, uh, the speed they need to get through the field. Um, you know, is this going to cause issues for Hamilton with the pool of power units he has um for their sake you'd hope not but i think like everyone they probably need to take a power unit penalty sooner than later just to get that extra um power unit into the pool and everything so i kind of expect have they taken one yet this season i'm not sure i don't think they have i think they have been pretty rock solid on it yeah so i feel like you know uh, Monza is probably the window that they have to try and uh, take it. You know, we've seen their cars do quite well there in the past and be able to overtake with no problem and come through the field. So it'd be best to try and do that. And yeah, I'm not sure if um, <clears throat> they'll probably do lots of uh, analysis and whatnot on this particular power unit and see if it's... Uh, got any kind of lingering problems but you know it's probably best not to risk that putting in the car but again like overall it was not good for them to lose a car that early in the race and lose uh, 11 points I think it was in the constructors which they had 30 points coming into this race and it's like 41 points now so um, I'm sure they'll be thinking about it Mercedes they want to finish second finish ahead of Ferrari so whatever involves the least amount of risks and if you know running that power unit with the risk of it uh causing problems later on in the season i think it's not worth it uh yeah 100 percent um rather have a you know point a chance of a points finish rather than uh that, than that lurking sort of thing of a, having a blow up um right i'm, I'm really sorry phil uh you've already caught the uh the bad end of the stick here with um uh, yeah, the band under the stick here with uh, with all the drivers. And uh, unfortunately, I've got I've got nothing really to ask you left on how to do. Um, so I'm just going to move on to driver of the day. Who was your driver of the day, Phil? Uh, we'll go with Max because he dominated and he did what he was supposed to do, and he came from the back. Uh, I'll also add that Lewis did uh, go and take responsibility for it. The guy that he was racing against being uh, a tool is just his demeanor and who he is. It's why he's been on, I don't know how many Formula One teams. And um, I remember when he was driving a Toyota into WEC when they were the only car that was fast um, and he won a lot. And I didn't hear him complaining as much. I mean, he complains a lot. He seems to be have a Napoleon complex. I mean, his girlfriend's taller than him, so it makes sense. Um, but, you know, like it's, it's there. I don't know what his deal is. I mean, you're leaving, you're leaving the whatever fourth best car. So you could go and drive with a, with an, with an idiot stick in Lauren stroll because he's going to pay you a lot of money. Why? So you can go and watch Lewis Hamilton's career go down. What is that going to do? You're going to get off on that. Like, dude, you're running for 15th, bro. You're running with Lance Stroll. What do you think you're going to gain from that? Um, and you were started third and you finished sixth, so good on you on that on that performance. Um, uh, but for Max, he did his job. Um, he's going to be the world champion. It's not going to be um, any doubt. Um, his job now at this point is to see if he can get those, like I've said in previous episodes that I've been on, to get to some of the records like, uh, Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton have had in wins in a season. Um, also trying to win the world championship by the biggest gap ever. I think those are what he's racing for at this point. And to add to his tally, get past some of these other drivers in the total wins category. Because I think probably for the next three years, um, this is what's going to go on. So he'll be a five-time world champion by that point. And then the real discussions will start about a uh, about Max Verstappen and can he join those two guys uh, by that point? Yeah. Um, Joe, uh, who is your driver of the day today? 
Oh, hard to go past Max for all the reasons that we've talked about and more. Um, you know, what's what's next? You know, like it was funny watching the race today. It was like who turned the AI difficulty down during that one? It, was, it felt like he was playing F122 and just was able to pass him. I mean, what's next? He starts from the pit lane and wins a race too. I mean, that would be an interesting race to watch if uh, they want to do that just as a joke to humiliate the rest of the field. I'm sure they would get away with it too. But like Phil just said, you know, could they go after um, – <laughs> sorry, could they go after, you know, biggest points gap in the championship, to be honest? So – you know, that would be interesting to see as well. But, yeah, he's he's just in a different league at the moment of supremacy. And, you know, if they end up going on to win for the next few years, then, you know, good on them. You know, this is the, this is the driver that basically Red Bull wanted when they spotted him at a young age. They wanted the next golden boy, um, the next Sebastian Vettel. And I think, you know, they've uh, one-upped themselves with uh, Max. We're finally getting to see uh, the best of Max. Yeah, um, he seems to be so much better. Uh, Tom, I assume you're not going to go with anyone else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has to be Max, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, um, we've, we've already waxed lyrical about him. Yeah. I, I certainly have. Yeah. God, uh, you know, just for the sake of variety, I'm going to have to find someone. Um, <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. No, I can't do that. <laughs> Alban. You know, when you, when, yeah, no, that's yeah. a good shout, Jared. That's a, a very a, good shout, or maybe Vessel. Yeah, actually, to be Vettel better, yeah, both. Al- Albon would be the other two that I would say, and Lucifi because I cut my hair. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, uh, I can't go with it. as much as you joke about Hamilton there. Uh, no, I can't, you know, you got to remember being a sporter is uh criticizing someone when they do badly, and uh, and obviously, uh, Hamilton didn't, um. I'm just going to take a moment to uh, just sorry, but apologies if you're watching the live stream and uh, you did obviously notice the cat out there. Uh, we just had a few connectivity issues. Um, we will have the uh, uh, the full replay uh, obviously up on, on on the YouTube channel and uh, wherever you get podcasts. But thank you for that. And with that, uh, that is the show. Um, so uh, I'm just going to go through my uh, wonderful panelists here. Um, Tom, just sticking with you there. Um, where can we find uh, you know do you have anything to plug where, where can we find you uh so i'm part of everything f1 you can find us at well all your socials so facebook instagram twitter tiktok we are at join ef1 you will not find me on tiktok um we have the everything f1 podcast which is on all the podcast platforms on our website Speaking of websites, the website is everythingf1.com. We post articles, face reviews, quality reviews, opinion pieces, memes, dank memes, etc. Um, and then what else we have? Uh, we've resurrected our YouTube channel, or you know, it um, it has risen once again, um, where we are we're beginning to upload things like track guides, uh, sort of just bits and bobs. Really, we're growing that as well. So. If you search that on the YouTubes, you will find it as everything I've won. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Jared, where can we find you? Uh... Yeah, so my Hit the Apex podcast, you can listen to on all the good podcast platforms, such as the Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher and all. Uh, social media-wise, we've got the Twitter account at Hit the Apex Media. And there's also a link tree to various other links, so live blogs and Instagram and all that sort of stuff, uh, which is worth checking out also. Yeah, uh, always a great listen. Um, and Phil, where, where can we find your podcast? You can find uh, find myself and uh, Josh Huffine, JP, at JP Huffine. I'm at Philip G. Matthew on the Grip Trip podcast where um, you hear podcasts uh, anywhere. You can download it, like, subscribe, the whole bit. Uh, we cover all things motorsports there. So we'll uh, cover the debacle that's going on at Daytona currently. We'll cover the Formula One. Uh, there's IndyCar coming up this week, the two races to go. First one is at Portland, seven drivers, uh, 
in in a chance with the championship wow a very a battle that actually happens organically and a close points battle uh doesn't seem to happen all that often in other motorsports but it does in indycar and we'll talk about all that and anything else that's going on in motorsports and in other uh sporting events there on the grip strip podcast uh we'll be on doing our show tomorrow and we'll post it later in the week so um thanks owain for hosting and thanks uh tom jawad um aiden for all the work you guys do as always and for um your great work in general yeah um as always again a great listen please uh, please uh, go and listen to all our panelists podcasts um for everything motorsport but it's sort of you know get new views on stuff if you enjoyed this podcast um we'd love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star review rating on spotify or a five-star review on apple Podcasts. we'll shout you all of you who do to say thanks and if you're one of the 69 percent of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel please consider helping us out with a like and subscribe grid talk where you can find me is available on youtube where most of our episodes are recorded live as well as Amazon, as on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Cast. After the fact, uh, just search Formula One Grid Talk for our back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results. And please also continue uh, consider supporting the channel on Spot, uh, sorry, on Patreon, uh, so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment for our presenters. And you can get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise on the other website, uh, which is f1chronicle.com forward slash store. Make sure you subscribe to see the first note when each new weekly episode is released, as I said. And we will be back soon with plenty more of more F1 content. Content, sorry. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.